You are now, tuned into, The Midnight Genius Hour. Sometimes I wish you knew But I disguise the truth I say I'm happy but I'm still stuck on us Mm-mm-mm. Does your mind play this game too? Think about me and you I guess I'll just pretend until it all makes sense See you face to face, I'm thinking about the days we used to be But I can't make a scene But I can't make a scene See you face to face, I'm thinking about the days we used to be But I can't make a scene But I can't make a scene To blame, you're so good with change. Mm-mm-mm. A table set for two. You got me waiting, but you ain't coming through. Try to stay patient, but gotta face the truth. See you face to face. I'm thinking about the days we used to be. But I can't make a scene. But I can't make a scene. See you face to face, I'm thinking about the days we used to be But I can't make a scene But I can't make a scene Like I want you You Even if it's Welcome world to the Midnight Genius Hour tonight, the evening of May 16th, 2020. How y'all doing out there, world? You got your boy Nick here. What's up, everybody? It's your man Brian in the house. Welcome to latest installment here. 
we're far removed from the little shack but hopefully one day until then we got another remote dispatch like nick said what are we listening to on there yeah man um a dope cat with a beautiful voice out of uh los angeles mr Giveon. um i think you said earlier with the the sultry baritone voice um with the track like i want you um Homie got some uh, some big respects when uh, Drake threw him on his uh, uh, mixtape that just dropped uh, a little earlier this month. But uh, I think he's going to have an illustrious career on his own for sure. So check out Giveon, man. How, uh, how y'all doing out there, world? I hope we all staying safe. Like Brian said, we are far removed from the shack. At least I am not. I'm in the shack, but Mr. Brian is not here. We're doing that social distancing thing. Something Brian, what's new, man? What you got in the news? What you got in the current situations in the world? Got to see some live prof- professional soccer today. Yeah, man, I totally fucking forgot about that. A little bit of uh, sad news, though, because supposed to be a matchup of two uh, big rivals, Borussia Dortmund against Schalke. And uh, one of Dortmund's uh, star players, American Giovanni Reina, was set to make his first start. He was set to make his first start, and he got injured in uh, warm-ups. What? That's fucking super sad. He's um the assist one of the assistant coaches on the uh, U.S. team's son, correct? He's uh, an ex uh, ex great uh, footballer himself for the U.S. Claudio Reina's son. Yeah, he's not even that old. I don't even know why I fucking nah, said just coach. He's maybe a, he's from a great the nineties. His own right. Nineties. He was a great player, a great leader, and he was set to make his first start, lining up against Weston McKinney, who plays for Shockey, and uh, he got hurt. But it was an interesting match just to see all the different regulations that they have to follow. The uh, celebrations were kind of awkward. They 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 stand far apart from each other. They make sure not to s- slap hands. And uh, saw some of the matches where the refs and were doing uh, ankle taps, toe taps, uh, instead of elbow taps, but getting creative, you know. And, I mean, I think it, for the most part, it was uh, pretty successful. Yeah, man, I saw I saw them on the bench, and they're all sitting on the bench. Like, actually, I think where the fans sit, like in the first row where the fans sit. So they're... They're not in the you know small little um, dugout where they usually are, and they're all sitting like three seats apart, man. It looked funny and masked at the, on top of that, correct? Everyone, yeah, they were wearing masks on the sidelines, and yeah, like you said, they were all very, very spread out. Just goes to show you what a strong, with it government that is uh, being aggressive with testing, and that's how Germany is the first professional league in Europe restarting. I yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, if there's any um, league that's going to jump in front of all the other leagues, it's going to be one of the countries that is, you know, in front of the pandemic itself. And, you know, Germany has shown itself as one of those countries for sure. I mean, Miss Angela Merkel herself is a scientist. And I wish we had a scientist leading our nation because we have a fucking idiot who actually doesn't even believe in science most yeah. of the time. So. We have a fucking idiot a reality TV star that thinks this is his own reality TV show that he's on. 
but back to Germany, yeah, they, they have high testing rates. They, they have a lot of cases, but that's because they're testing people and they're quarantining them and isolating them so that they don't infect other people that will then be higher at risk individuals. I mean, it just goes hand in hand. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense uh, in our country. But and yeah, again, I mean, I don't know. I was just going to say, um, speaking about testing, yes, again, from a scientific perspective, testing is imperative because you need to know where the virus is. There's hot spots throughout the country. Germany, relatively small country when you compare it to the United States. But they are finding, you know, different pockets where they need to, you know, address the issue. In the U.S., a much, much bigger territory, we need to know what places should be quarantined off from others. Where should travel be restricted? Where should we send more, you know, um, PPE, etc., etc. But, again, the testing is not there. And the president looks fucking, you know, straight into the camera almost every um, you know, news conference he has and says, every American can get tested. Shut the fuck up. You're a lying sack of shit. So most recently he was at a, um, a mask plant, an actual uh, plant whose sole purpose is making, you know, uh, face masks for this pandemic. And of course, of course, he's not wearing a mask. Right. Did you see him? Yeah, I saw that, and I wanted to ask something about that right now. But, yeah, you're right. Out of everyone there, they had a picture, and everyone there is wearing a mask except for him. And so just what we were talking about, testing, from a scientific perspective, Trump gets on stage in front of these poor fucking, you know, uh, plant workers making masks, you know, 50 hours a week probably. And he basically stands up there and says, you know, we're doing so much testing and maybe that's a bad thing because we're finding we're finding viruses and cases. And if you didn't so much do so much testing, then, you know, you wouldn't know it was there. And so maybe um, testing is overrated. Completely, uh, completely illogical scientific um, expression <coughs> from the you know leader of what we thought was uh, the premier country on the planet. I think that. Trump just being there without not wearing a mask, uh, people still complaining that they want gyms and other things reopen and not wearing masks. And people just still do not understand that we're in the middle of a pandemic of a disease that can spread just by talking to someone and something coming out of their mouth and landing on your face or somewhere on you and you got it now. Yeah, so I think there are so many different things that we do not understand about this virus. And one of them being the infectiousness, the ability for it to hang in the smallest air molecules or droplets hanging in the air um, and able to even at the smallest, you know, micro fucking microscopic level able to be inhaled and actually be you know uh, infectious to the new person to the new host um on top of that i mean we have so many other unanswered questions and as the parent to two small children just in the past week or two they've been coming out with uh, research saying that there's inflammatory diseases 
that are seen to be a kind of like a uh, a subset of the um, coronavirus uh, issues, man. So you got these young kids having like multiple organ failure because their shit's all in flames because they had coronavirus like a week or two ago. It's fucking yeah. scary, man. That's a really great point because I read an article not related to young children, but a 33-year-old New York woman who... For by all accounts, like, you know, she said she thought she was healthy. She was saying that the day before she got the virus, she had ran three miles. She walked on her 10 miles and she had just flung all of her laundry walking up to her apartment and she got the virus and she's now recovered from the virus. But she says that it's she she sometimes breaks down, uh, has a hard time breathing after taking a few steps. She can't run like she used to. She the biggest thing is that this isn't like a flu. This isn't like a cold. Not only is it something that if you get it, it could really affect you while you're you know in in the thick of it. But now we're finding out that people are recovering. Uh, so to say, they don't have the virus anymore. They're not positive anymore, but they have these health conditions, these long-term health conditions that they're going to have to live with for who knows how many years after being supposedly recovered because of how how debilitating this virus is. And I read that article, and, and I mean, it was very, I mean, it hit home. I mean, she's 33. She runs three miles a day. She feels active, you know, for the most part. I mean, sounds like you and I, yeah, it's scary, yeah, and that is my biggest issue when I see all these people outside protesting that we need to open shit up. And my my thing is just like, I get it. I get it. It's hard, you know. But don't you understand that we know almost nothing about this virus when it comes to all the things that it can affect yeah. humanity with and we know and nothing like, about we, it and we have yeah, no and we cure need to slow down we need to slow down like if you can't get a haircut fucking deal with it bro if you can't go to the bar guess what stores are still open if you can't go to applebee's fucking look up how to make their goddamn whatever bullshit plate you like you know at home like what's wrong with people like literally um you're telling me about this story you read about a 33 year old woman i mean she's recovering there's a story that just came out from uh, an el paso family and i forget what um you know periodical it came out in we'll, we'll try and get we'll try and get that in the notes department or on the blog but she talks about how her 53 year old husband caught it as well as she as well as she caught it and he died man because just literally three four years ago he had been diagnosed with um uh, diabetes and he had completely changed his lifestyle i mean in those four years since his diagnosis of diabetes he had lost 55 pounds she said he ate healthier. He was just 100% a different person. And then he catches COVID and passes. And then she's positive at the same time. So when she has to tell their 16-year-old son that your daddy has passed away, she can't comfort him 
or hug him because God forbid he gets it. Like to think that those people on Capitol steps screaming, you know, to open up the economy and to think that this family just went through that and that could be your family literally, you know, it's just, it's mind boggling. Yeah. You know what I did read about that as well? Family of four, I think, and both the kids are positive too, but they're asymptomatic. Asymptomatic. And, and that's another thing. We don't know about how asymptomatic people, you know, survive with it. Is it something that lays dormant in their body? Is it something that they might suffer later in their life? You know, this disease, this fucking virus is so new. It's scary, man. Yeah, I read that. When the mom decided to isolate herself, she was staying in the living room and just a plastic sheet was dividing her from the rest of the family. But I think that a lot of people were mentioning it at the beginning when this whole shit started and how the government was going to be making decisions where they were going to be affecting people's livelihood. And that question begins to be asked, uh, you know, what's what's the cost of a life? And to these fuckers, they're able to actually put a cost, a, a price on it because they're able to say comments like we know that cases are going to rise and and deaths might even occur, but we need to start with the right steps. And I'm with you. I don't get it either. I do not understand what the big deal is to stay at home. I was washing my car today and, you know, I could hear all the guys uh, at at their car over talking and they're talking about how it's hard. It's hard being at home, dude. I just want to get out there. I just want to get out there. I mean, I don't understand either. And I understand that it must be hard for people that can't stay at home and, and can't work. You know, I'm lucky to have my job still and work from home. But, I mean, we're talking about people's lives and their health. I think one thing that um, we set ourselves up for failure when it comes to, like, this whole public, you know, uh, perception of when it's okay to go outside is that we, not we, I mean, I'm not not a part of the fucking um, picture when it comes to the public health crisis, but, like, the leaders from the president's fucking pandemic response team, fucking asshole, all the way down to the local public health departments in each city. You know, who knows how many of them actually said these measures are not going to go away in X amount of months, you know, two months, three months, four months. Like, until we have a vaccine or, like, some sort of, like, um, definitive kind of treatment so that if you get, oh, we found that if you have COVID, boom, you take X and X drugs and do these types of treatments and you have a, you know, 75 plus percent uh, survival rate, you know, we know about that. We don't, nor do we have a fucking vaccine yet. So, like, I think it's almost like we failed the public in giving this giving them this false sense of like shelter in place for two or three months and then we can come out and i saw a lot of my friends you know on the social media is being like you pendejos all the people that were going out in, in red sands and you know two weeks ago three weeks ago when people started protesting 
pendejos, like, just fucking stay inside for a few more months and then we can get this over with. But that's actually false. Like, it's not about, you know, staying inside for X amount of months. It's about staying inside until we have some sort of cure, until we have some sort of real, you know, ammunition against this virus. And, and again, that's not two or three months, four months. That might be six months, a year, two years. And it sucks. But, like, do we want the fucking world to have the fucking plague two in 2020? Jesus. This is 2020, everyone. This is 2020 we're living in. I think that's a good time. Let's go into a... Uh, a new song we're gonna try to mix in our songs here that we got featured for you all new music time we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna drop them in throughout the show so tell us what you got brian got this artist here uh, by the name of perfume genius uh perfume genius real name mike hadreas he's got his new album out it's called set my heart on fire immediately and I mean, this album just barely came out yesterday. It just barely dropped yesterday. It's, it's still being digested, uh, but I'll tell you that it's versatile, and it's it's I've already played it a good two or three full times since yesterday, and it's gonna be one of those albums that I know I'm gonna be listening to a lot. So let's check out that song here called uh, "On the Floor."
that track so like the first thing that jumps out to me is the guitar man i love that fucking kind of little um funky guitar and the intro and shit and the other thing i get is uh is poppy 80s feel almost like now i know sting is the singer of the police and the vocalist on this in this band you know isn't necessarily uh, sting but the the sound of the band i kind of get like you know 80s police vibe no yeah, it's definitely a good depiction. This is like his fourth album already, and it's they're all definitely rooted in the '80s and that vibe and sound. Nice. I'm glad I uh, guessed right on that. Hey, so what? What's what's uh, one of your new songs you want to share with us? New music time, people. All right, so we're gonna go into a um, a cool little um, duo. Uh, a very well-established artist, multi-instrumentalist, drummer, singer, uh, pianist, Mr. Terrence Martin, teamed up with uh, rapper Rick Wilson. And uh, I believe Rick is from Chicago. So he teams up with uh, Chicago, the BJ kid. BJ, the Chicago kid, sorry. And uh, they got a little EP, Rick Wilson and Terrence Martin, called They Call Me Disco. And it's true, you know, uh, for a rapper and a kind of jazz artist, they put out a little funky record for sure. And so uh, their track with uh, BJ, the Chicago Kid, is called Chicago Bay, as in B-A-E, a hottie, a thottie. 
Let's check it out. Shorty is like 5 p.m. Take Western to the south side, my side. Make sure that you text him when you outside. Says she never been out to Chicago in the summertime. Why I never see you? Cause I'm peeping that you summer fine. From up north, but she wanna hunt some heroes. Getting food, then you throw it back like Hollister apparel. And the way you do it, I just wanna offer you a medal. I can be Chicago Bay. I ain't asking you to settle. So the next time you touch down, dog, you City and we bout to hit the road And then at the show, you the only place I wanna go If it's in New York, we can get some peace on the low If it's in LA, in and out right after niggas bro If it's Boston, maybe we can hit Masala up in Somerville okay. Know the deal, maybe fall in love, maybe dodging feel Sending these emojis, catch a Uber on my face I'll just be Chicago Bay, I ain't asking you to say Shawty Next time you touch down, doggy, you disco kind of rap genre that he's been putting out there from what i had checked out so didn't even I think, know anything about that i think that they purposely try to make music that gets people moving and i like the uh the singer that you mentioned yeah the chicago kid he's a crooner it gives it a gives it a kind of like a soulful vibe to it yeah man he's got a great voice dug it. So speaking of Chicago, I will say this um, to those of you out there in Genius Worldland, um, have been watching The Last Dance, Mr. Michael Jordan's fucking pretty much definitive documentary series about his you know life with the Chicago Bulls. Man, that is amazing. Brian, are you still not on that shit? Yeah, I'll admit I'm 100% not watching it. And it's just, I did try to watch the first couple of episodes. 
Uh, they they did not um, keep my attention really. I just wasn't a fan of the documentary style. I don't feel that it's uh, completely impartial, and I'm not cool with uh, Michael Jordan just getting to pick and choose what he wants to share and what he doesn't want to share. And I feel that the documentary could have been done better justice by a better team. So, I mean, I lost interest in it, and I feel that it's getting a lot of talk because everyone loves to live in the olden days. You know, everyone loves to live in nostalgia, and, of course, you know, it's the 90s bulls, so why not live in the nostalgia? And I just feel like, of course, there's no sports on either, so everyone's eating it up. If the NBA playoffs were on right now, that'd be just like a whisper in what everyone's talking about. You're silly. You're silly as fuck, bro. No, if the NBA playoffs were on right now, the the NBA playoffs were on right now, nobody would be talking about that documentary. Well, first like off, they the finals right wouldn't be on right now because it's too early. Well, I didn't say Secondly, the finals. I said playoffs. You said finals. Okay, you said pl- finals. No, play it back. I said playoffs. Let's let, let me let me stop this whole episode. And back. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're in editing, you'll hear. It. No, but listen seriously. I have no idea where you're coming with that, man. I mean, uh, well, I'm not the only one. Like, saying okay, it. first I mean, off, what 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 episodes? What episodes did you watch? I, I just saw I just saw a little bit of the first and second. A I, little uh, bit of the first and second. Yeah, I, I caught them on demand, and I played the first and second, and. I mean, but just I, a little bit, not all of them, not 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 in their entirety. Yeah, the first one I think I played all the way up until like the 30th minute, and then I got bored after the wow. third commercial segment. Uh, probably because they hadn't mentioned LeBron James, huh? I mean, LeBron has nothing to do with it, but the second... We can't even say on topic. The second one... Uh, the second one I started at 10 minutes, and then once it got to the first commercial break, I was like, eh. Man, that's crazy, man. I just, I don't know. I, don't, I just have no idea how you can be that. I just don't know how you can be that um, unentertained by it. It's, it's, uh, gra- what's the word? Uh, eye-grabbing television. It's fucking amazing. The stuff you hear about, the stuff you learn about. And this whole idea that Jordan gets to pick and choose I think is wild to me because maybe in the first episode it feels like that. But guess what? This is a 10-episode series, sir. You know it's going to make him be a very complex character. And to be honest, he was afraid of it. And I am watching it as I have done in the past four weeks. And it makes him a very complex person that, in many eyes, people will look at him as a, a villain, almost. Because he was such a dick to his teammates, man. And, of course, it was all in effort to make them better and make them championship teams. But in no, by no means is this Jordan's, you know, ability to make him look like a saint in no way. Uh, I, th- I think there's truth to it because it took so long for it to come out because Jordan didn't want it to come out for such a long time. And that's just a fact. And I think that he had a lot to, uh, a lot of control in what's in it and what's not in it. He gets to just come out and bash his teammates, and it it, it makes sure to show him in a, in a very positive light. And it doesn't go hard on some of the other things that they maybe should have gone hard on that he did that weren't so great too. 
a, a true like documentary. What? Like what? Like, like what? Like what? I mean, he only saw two episodes. What else should they have included? Well, di- didn't he have a whole thing where he was caught up into some type of like gambling thing? Do they even talk about that? A hundred percent, bro. They talk about how all his gambling stuff was completely uh, innocent. It was just him on the golf course betting this and that, this and that. When his father was murdered by a bunch of punk teenage kids in Mississippi or wherever south, his did you know that? Did you know Michael Jordan's dad was murdered in the middle of a fucking season or off season? Nah. I don't. We both lived in that era. This goes to show you how much we were kids and didn't actually follow sports. Because Michael Jordan, the fucking best player in the world at that time, his dad was murdered after the fucking third title he won in the offseason. Guess what he did? Guess what he did after that? He went to go play baseball. That's how much that shit affected him. And you know what a part of that was? A part of that was when his dad was murdered, people blamed Michael Jordan's gambling and said, uh-oh, maybe his gambling addiction had issues and people went after his father and killed him because Michael Jordan was such a gambling addict. That's so fucked up because the actual truth was it was just two random fucking teenager you know, delinquents fucking rolling up on Michael Jordan's uh, dad's Lexus parked on the side of the road taking a nap and fucking shot him and, and jacked his car. So the whole fact that you say, oh, didn't Jordan have a, a gambling problem? I mean, I think it fucking falls into line with like the whole media frenzy that they were blaming Michael Jordan for his fucking father's death, which is completely 100% unfair. But, of course, you would know that if you watched more than the first two episodes. Oh, I guess that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, the point is, is that the, the point I'm trying to make is that a documentary is supposed to be entirely percent, entirely 100 percent, just pure factual, just a, a documentary. It just let the people look at what your story you're telling. And that's it. The fact that it took like 20 years before Jordan finally found a production company that he felt was okay to, to, to do it, that was his decision. That was Jordan's decision to finally finally say, okay, finally, I say finally put it out. And on top of that, Jordan got to view everything before even putting it out. The guy made everything, and then Jordan said, I'm going to watch all 10 episodes, and then you can put it out. That's not something that, that, that documentarians do. That never happens. You you That never happens. It's not like a true documentary. I just don't. And I think that people are not looking at it because it's a beloved character. And, and like I said, everyone loves to live in the olden days and nostalgia. Everyone loves the 90s. You know, that that's all great. I mean, I lived through it too, but... I mean, those those are gripes to me as I mean, aesthetically, call it whatever you want. But for me, those are gripes. And I'm not going to take 10 hours to watch a, a documentary when there's, you know, four little girls on HBO by Spike Lee. There's all these other documentaries that are telling real true stories. I mean, that's just my beef. with. OK, it. so so what's your big beef? You, at the end of the day, your big beef is because Michael Jordan got to OK it. Is that is that is that what it is? No, I've is said that? a lot more than that. But if that's what you want okay. to take away from okay. it, okay. Michael Jordan okayed it. What else? 
Michael yes. Jordan is in control of his likeness or how much people like him waiting a long ass time to put it out. Twenty That's the same years. Same thing I said. He he okayed the the final version. It took a long ass time for it to come out. He well, had no to. Shit. He no had shit. to. He what? had to okay it. It's all stuff when that Jordan said out? can come out. It's not a true documentary filming something and saying I'm gonna In put Brian's it out. In Brian's world, when should it have come out? No, I, I mean, what do you mean? Documentaries come out a couple of years after something happens. It's not like a, a oh, crazy, oh, so, so in, some in, crazy in Brian's shit. world, a documentary can only be valid if it's a few what years What do you mean, after. Brian's world? This isn't just me, the only one saying this. It's not like I'm the only one. A documentary one that, can come out anytime. That's what I'm trying to say. What yeah, the fuck does it mean if it's fine. 20 years? That just goes years, to show you 50, that Jordan was in control of it that long, dude. That just goes to show you that, that Jordan wants to have his hand on it for that long. That he's like, no, it's going to come out when I have say so. And I'm well, going to make secondly, sure that the shit that I want to come out comes out. And I'm going to okay the final maybe, edit. Maybe, maybe this will solidify your point. But I'm not even sure if you know this fact. But apparently uh, Adam Silver, who is current NBA commissioner, who at the time of the filming of this video was still involved in the league obviously but he was like in charge of like the media side well guess what apparently he made a deal with jordan and said hey we're gonna have all access let us all access in but you're also gonna have say on when we can you know do this did you know that that adam silver and apparently jordan had some sort of you know uh did not agreement no Well, I don't know. I mean, whether or not you want to say his, um, what's the word? Uh, I just think if you're going to call it a documentary, then you have to really look at how factual it is. And it's not that, that factual. And when well, it's, it's super when it's, factual, what the fuck are you talking about? They're not lying about stuff. You sound like a Trumper, like they're fucking rewriting history oh and stuff. Nah, I'm just what not, are they lying what about? I, what are they lying about? I mean, the, what? it's just like the the whole style. You know, I, I want I want something that's that that's just completely um, uh, unbiased. You know, I, I yeah, it's the last dance. All you know, Phil Jackson called it the last dance, and they went with the name. You know, it's it's romantic. You know, that that's great and everything, but I, I guess I, I want like the the gritty storytelling of HBO or so I don't know some some real hard hitting uh, film film uh, well, guess production what? company if you, to make if it. If you would and watch some, beyond the and second some episode, fluffy, you would know that fluffy ESPN. You know. If you watched Beyond the Second Episode, you would know that. There's an episode where they talk about how Rodman, who was obviously like this fucking anti-hero, um, who was integral in their fucking uh, championship seasons, Rodman, basically when Pippen came back after fucking injury and stuff, Rodman was like, ah, they don't fucking need me. I don't want to be a part of this team. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm disengaged. And basically he asked, you know what? I need to go on vacation. And fucking went to Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson went to then Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan and asked them, hey, is it OK if we let uh, Rodman go on a three day fucking vacation in the middle of the season to Las Vegas? It's a crazy fucking story. And there's no fluff there. They're literally talking about how dysfunctional 
Yeah, Dennis but Rodman I mean, is. but it's because like I mean, yeah, that happened. That that ha- I remember being a little kid, but I remember Dennis Rodman leaving and reading a news story, probably in the El Paso Times, and all oh, player leaves. You know what's gonna happen? But I guess I've just always been one of those people since growing up that like that's just drama. Like I guess it's just like like so. Like to me, it's like that's my response to it. Like and but that's what I'm saying. Like, they talk I mean, about it like full frontal. Like they don't escape it. Like there's no glot like glossing over yeah that's good that doesn't make jordan look bad yeah i'm I'm sure they took out a bunch of shit that makes jordan specifically look bad and and i'm just saying that i I can i can i can tell you this as someone who's actually watching it currently beyond the second episode there is a ton of shit that makes jordan look like a piece of shit like one thousand percent but yeah, his whole uh, if you fucking. Love him, you uh, love him. Did, did they talk about the whole uh, his fucking uh, Republicans wear sneakers too? That's a thousand percent. Too, they talked know? about it. They talk about it. Yeah, but they, they probably don't it. go hard on it. They probably don't have like Barack Obama talking about how that really held back a bunch of people, right? They one hundred percent literally have Barack Obama saying that disappointed me and Michael Jordan. The fuck are you oh, talking about? Watch on, the fucking man. show, bro. Yeah, Watch the show. I don't know. You literally, you you literally, you know, uh, dug your own grave. You're like, do they have Barack Obama saying that? Dude, uh, that's yes, not my only do. point, though. My point is that all these facts okay, well, are that's behind a no it. Point. All these facts are behind it. That Jordan has all these his hand in it. That's just gonna make it that much not credible for me and not watchable. Man, I think at the end of the day, this whole conversation has just made me believe that you are 100% a LeBron lover bro like to 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 not watch a michael jordan documentary before lebron was even the fucking league what's wrong with you bro it's fun it's beautiful it made me cry it made me hate jordan it made me love jordan it made me love scotty oh, pippen it made me love rodman i always it made me love scottie isaiah pippen. thomas I don't, I don't need like to. this this fucking this documentary is so like wide ranging in the nba yes it's 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 uh revolves around michael jordan i'm sorry brian i am so sorry but this fucking documentary is amazing and beautiful and it's a roller coaster and the fact that you don't want to watch it is it literally incenses me it's not it's it's not something on my radar i don't even think about it dude that's that's fucking crazy bro because 90 percent of people that i know that love the nba are watching it yeah, and it's all the ten percent that aren't are weirdos, bro. It's all just like a like a hypnotize effect, you know. They just want to suck people into cash cow. I heard that it wasn't even going to come out to the summer, but because it's COVID, let's rush it out so that we can get all the ratings. It's all planned, dude. They just how about all... how about what's the what's the alternative? Let's rush it out so people can watch something when they're not fucking watching any sports at all. Like, what's wrong with you? Why you got to be, like, so uh, cynical and be like, oh, they just rushed it out for ratings. Ain't nothing happening in the summer anyways. Just, how come you can't, it, it, how come you can't just, say, oh, they push it out so people can watch It's just a stuff. different point of view from complete adoration and love. It's just a very realistic and very cryptic way of looking at it, but it's not a completely unrealistic and un- and unfathomable, like it would never poss- like possibly happen. And, and it's a fact that it was going to come out in the goddamn July, August, and they rushed it. Well, yeah. Let people let people rush it. What do you mean? It's already been done. You think they're still fucking It wasn't even. It, it no. wasn't. It was barely finished. When the third or fourth episode came out, The it wasn't even done. They barely finished editing the last episodes. They literally finished it while it was airing. When, when, when does... You, 
Right. How do you know that? That's but you don't story. know the fact that That's... Adam Silver and LeBron James had an agreement about this. I mean, Again, LeBron, you're the only been... one bringing up LeBron. LeBron has nothing to do with any of this conversation. That, 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 no, that's what I'm saying. I feel that your disinterest in this documentary stems from your love for LeBron. You think there's better players Dude, out there. Ask my family. You think there's better players ask out there. Ask my family. You think there's better players out there. What the fuck does being a better player have anything to do with anything? Because it's you like, don't want to watch the best documentary about basketball in the fucking world right now. How the fuck? I, I just don't get I'd it. I'd rather I watch Spike Lee's He Got Game. Jesus Shuttlesworth. I, I mean, you can ask anyone that I grew up with. I loved uh, Jordan, and my dad was a Knicks fan. We watched many of the Knicks uh, Bulls battles. I don't need to watch Patrick Ewing. I think it was Ewing that said, I don't need to watch this documentary. I lived with it and got my ass kicked by him. Some people just don't need to relive history like that. And it's already been glorified. It was glorified when I was growing up. I lived through it. Basketball is just one of those weird-ass sports where I never had a favorite team. I just don't have a dog in the race. I mean, it's I always love Scottie Pippen. The, I've always said the argument that that's a perfect example of why you need a strong number two because Jordan could have not done anything by himself. But, I mean, those are just facts. <laughs> he could have never done anything by himself. Never, dude. Oh. You think he would have won any championship without Scottie Pippen? Scottie Pippen is probably the second, the, the probably the best two number two player of all time. You know, uh, again, for for someone who hasn't watched it, um, had you have, you know, been able to get through more than some of the first two episodes, you would have been able to see at least two episodes dedicated to how Scottie Pippen was not paid enough. And he had one of the worst contracts in NBA history. There was a, a time where Scottie Pippen was right behind Jordan when it comes to stats. Yet, he was 162nd when it comes to, like, pay in the league. So, they talk a lot of stuff, bro. Yeah, but, again, up, you're man. so biased, you can't get past the second fucking season, second episode. So, I mean, I, feel, I just feel a, a, a true documentary should be made in a true documentary style. Right. Fucking... And, and, how, and how can you even judge it on two episodes or some of those two episodes? Right, because I got to sit there and, and put 10 hours in before I can say, okay, now it sucks. Well, at least more than uh, some of two episodes. <laughs> talk, talk to us about new music, bitch. I guess what I'll say uh, I, I, to end all this is that I'll get into the third and fourth episode, and, uh, and I'll see what I can get into. Oh, yeah, my next song here is this uh, female singer-songwriter. goes by the name of Waxahachie. Waxahachie. Named after, uh, I think where she grew up, uh, Waxahachie Creek in Alabama. Uh, her name is Katie Crutchfield. And uh, she's got a really great voice. Yeah, you know, it's pretty, I guess you call it, you know, sparse, pretty simple. Uh, singer-songwriter, folk-driven. But it, it's deceiving because you think the song's, you know, just, you know, kind of real simple. And next thing you know, her voice does a weird twist. And, and her voice is real magnetic. And uh, this new album, St. Cloud, is out. Check it out. This is uh, Witches.
Yeah, man, that was nice for sure. She has, um, she really does have a nice voice. I, I like it. Um, and uh, super country, man. I know you said she was from Alabama, you said, but woo, that's some country-ass vibes right there. All right, man, so some new music. Um, an instrumental outfit, man, um, who's been doing a ton of work for many years. I want to say at least 15 years, at maybe least. a little less. But uh, Al Michaels Affair, um, they got an LP called Adult Themes, and it's got the corniest fucking um, album cover. It looks like something you might pick up at, like, an adult bookstore. Mm. Um, but uh, it's, it's all super, you know, funky, you know, baby-making music. And uh, the reason I picked this track is when I was listening to it, it just jumped out as out to me as a David Axelrod fucking type of production, especially the bass. So uh, yeah, let's jump out to uh, Al Michaels' affair, the track Rubik's. Uh, 
There's this video game, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. And I swear that the little melody on that song, Rubik, sounds like this song from it. No way. That's fucking super interesting. I'm going to try to find it, it. You said Zelda what? It's it's definitely from the video game Ocarina of Time. We'll do that research and uh, get back to us next week. But uh, L. Michaels affair, that's uh, Leon Michaels' band, right? Yes, for sure. Long live, long live the Dab Kings. Long live Sharon Jones for life. Bro, I remember um, seeing Sharon Jones at ACL. And, I mean, it was a, a, a spiritual experience, dude. And do you remember how I used to have that um, Tascam hand recorder? How could I forget? So I had it out there at that show, and it was a a fairly early show for ACL, probably like one, two o'clock. So, you know, the crowds really hadn't, you know, gotten there, and I was close enough that you know, you know, she could make eye contact with me, and I'm sitting there holding the little Tascam recorder, like right on my chest, shoulder area, so I can get a good, you know, recording. And I keep remembering, like, her looking at me and, like, being nervous. And she was going to be like, this motherfucker's recording my shit. Get him the fuck out of here. <laughs> but, nah, man, she was super cool. And, of course, never did none of that. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was one of the best fucking concerts I've ever seen in my life. And rest in peace. I mean, what did she die of? Fucking cancer, right? Cancer. Rest in peace, Sharon Jones and all the Dab Kings and all the things that have come out of that level, that 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 um, record label, man. I mean, not just the Dab Kings, not just Sharon Jones, but uh, what's his name? Um, Seems Hurricane. What's his name? The the old black guy. Oh, Lee Mayfield is one of them. Who? Lee Mayfield? Lee Fields. Lee Fields. Did I say Mayfield? I've been listening to... I got Las Cruces on my mind. Lee Fields. There you go. No, who's the... The old black guy. I think he passed away recently, too. Charles Bradley. Charles Bradley. I love that cover of Changes. I'm going through changes. So soulful. I saw Charles Bradley at a FYF fest, and really? he he just had the whole crowd in the raucous. That was that was awesome, amazing yeah, performance. I saw him. I saw him at ACL, like in a, in a small tent. So, you know, might have been like two, three hundred feet people there, but it was it was fun, man. What's our wildest festival concert experience? I mean, wildest. One of the wildest is definitely when we saw MIA. Oh my God, that was insanely wild. That's a definition of wild. We literally had the future of our fucking trip, you know, in a bag. And. 
because MIA was so beautiful and walking down the fucking aisle to greet fans, you left it, right? <laughs> I mean, that show was probably my highlight. I remember just having another experience when she started performing. And I just remember the way she danced and the way she moved. It was just, God damn, just so provocative, so aggressive. And, yeah, when she came out and she was so close to, you know, just walking distance, I, I just let go of all my inhibitions and completely dropped <laughs> our backpack. We had all our valuable possessions in it. And we scrapped I mean for a good it was a good minute probably the longest minute of my life and we found it well i'll be honest it probably like you dropped it and then it took you a minute walking to try and get to mia and then her leaving and then it was like a full minute and a half until you were like wait my bag ain't with me yep (laughs) and then another minute to fucking find it yeah, and that in minute pitch, in it. pitch black, Zilker Park, like they literally have no lights out there, bro. Like there's no lights out there. No like, light in the middle when nothing, the concert bro. when the concert ends. No. That's it. It's pitch black, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out there looking for our Brian's bag that has the key to the vehicle we came in. One other wild oh my one. God. Another wild one that I can remember, I was by myself, was on Sunday. Uh, I was watching The National. And The National, Matt Berninger, he always loves to get drunk. And by the Wait, time... Wait, should we tell people that we did find the keys eventually and made it home safe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> anyways, anyways, you were saying... I mean, it was Sunday, and they were playing right before the Eagles were playing. And... He, he walked out with, like, a pint of beer, and they brought him out several pints throughout the show. And, you know, maybe 10 minutes left in the show, he does his walk into the crowd, and he walks right in front of me. Just walks right in front of me with the mic, holding the mic, and there he is right there. And they were badass. And you yelled, they kept playing, away into the And they were supposed to be done. And I'm sure it was a joke, but they were talking about how the Eagles told them it's it's okay. You guys can keep going. But it did kind of work out kind of funny because as soon as they finished, right as soon as they finished, you could hear Hotel California starting on the other opposite side of the pitch. It's crazy, man. I remember for me, one of the craziest times was, uh, fuck. I don't even know what year. I want to say 2009, probably. Uh, We went to ACL, and it was Saturday. It was muddy as fuck. It rained all Friday night. So Friday night, or Friday was beautiful when we got there. But then Friday night just rained and rained and rained. So Saturday was, like, muddy, and Saturday morning into, like, 2 o'clock was still rainy and sprinkly. Um, and we went to go see Grizzly Bear in the morning, and we didn't make it to hang out because you left early to go see them, so you were up front. But then after that, we went to go see Most Deaf. Am I right on that? 
I was just thinking about that. You're definitely right that we that most stuff was the same day. I don't I don't know if they were right next to each other, but I just yeah, I, mean, I, I do remember. It, it, it could have been like four hours later. Like uh, Grizzly Bear could have been like at because you left so early. I tried to catch up to you. It probably was like <laughs> one o'clock, and then most at four o'clock. So. But anyways, I remember remember about most Def was uh, the fact that it was like drizzling pretty hard, and I had like the worst fucking headache, dude. And we're just sitting there. You guys are smoking, or at least you're smoking, and I'm like, Nah, I'm cool. I'm cool. I just didn't get rid of this headache, and had to sit there for about at least forty five, fifty minutes because we wanted to get a good place. And then finally, as soon as most death came on, shit, that headache was gone. And I remember he had fucking uh, breakdancers at the end of his show. And the the rain had made the fucking uh, stage wet. So the breakdancers were loving it, bro. Because they were like using the water, like spit and fucking use their, their fucking gymnastics with and shit. And I remember at one point, one dude fucking put a helmet on and started spinning on his head like a fucking helicopter, bro. I don't remember the the uh, dancers at the end, but I do remember that he came out playing the timpani. Right. And he came out to uh, uh, a Millie by Lil Wayne. A Millie, no, a Millie, a that Millie. was Erica Badu. He came out to it, too. No, he came out to some fucking Ethiopian jazz. Because I even remember telling you, hey, this is, I don't know if this is the same artist, but this is some Ethiopian shit I know for sure. And you just looked at me like, yeah, whatever. And then Mostef fucking started his show. Yeah, because in the the background it was going a milli, a milli, a milli, a milli, and then you were like, yeah, I think it's some Ethio. Fuck you, you're crazy. Anyways, talk about some new music, man. What you got? Oh yeah, my next track here is a uh, badass electronic music duo Book of Shade. They got a new album out. Last album I heard about them was ten years ago, and they've been making music, of course, in between that time. But this new one is called Dear Future Self And I really like it because when I first heard it I thought it was really catchy And I kind of saved it to listen to on a run Because it sounded like all consistently upbeat And when I was running I really found myself getting into the beats And it was driving and got that propulsive beat going to it But very good music Driving melodic music uh, I dig the whole album. So let's check out this track here. Perfect in a way.
man i really like that dude it it, uh it reminds me of dax punk and literally from the same city in paris uh justice like they have similar characteristics but they're you know two different bands but like if they met and had a baby that's the sound that i just heard with bookshade dude i think you would like that album because uh like i said it's it's all really upbeat and you should give it a a spin when you go for a run yeah it's another thing I, as soon as I heard it I was like man this is some up tempo shit to keep you like fucking moving at a good click and um, also I got a, a speaking of a good click I got a, a Knight Rider vibe from it man and I, I didn't even watch Knight Rider bro I said hop a shadowy flight into the dangerous world. I never watched that either. Who does not exist. But of course, know about it. You got another so, track? Uh, you got I one more track? I do have one more track. I do have one more track. Should we uh, end it on my last track and mm. tell everybody we love them and say goodnight? Let's do it. So uh, Brian said he did not like this uh, album as well as he does not like uh, The Last Dance. So we're going to work on figuring out what's wrong with uh, Brian. But uh, both The Last Dance and this album by Miss Kalani. Kalani? I don't know what the fuck you guys say. But um, great album title. It was good until it wasn't. Man, isn't that life? It was good until it wasn't. Anyways, she teams up with uh, the homie Masego, super talented multi-instrumentalist. And uh, he drops some uh, straight late 80s, 90s uh, sax on the fucking track. So just like we were talking about the previous fucking Knight Rider vibe, 
we got that fucking kind of late 90, late 80s, uh, sunny 99. Point nine saxophone on her track and uh, I think it's a good fucking theme too I hate the club or hate the club shit sometimes we hate the club but the person we want's all up in the club I mean not no more because there's a motherfucking pandemic and everything shut down but we remember a time that they would be at the club and you're like man I fucking hate the club but I don't want to see this person. So let's check it out. Miss Kalani, I Hate the Club, featuring Masego on the saxophone. Tired of going out, scared of running to you. All of these whereabouts, what is a girl to do? Say no to everything I'm invited to. Section dollar, baby. Oh. Working on self control, baby. No, oh. finna get anti social on ya. Damn, you know I hate the club. But I came cause I know you show up. Maybe if I drink enough. Going out, scared of running 
listening stay safe if anyone's listening stay socially distant please yeah, motherfuckers man. stay fucking safe if you go out there wear your fucking masks i went to walmart today to buy some flowers for my mom and sister and i was happily surprised to see everyone in the self-checkout lane wearing masks everyone every single little cubicle was taken somebody checking out but everyone wearing masks i mean that's the right it, thing it, to do it is true man he's, that's the he's right thing the to do it does feel nice when you go out and you're wearing a mask and everybody else is too. Like, let's just be responsible. Like, it's not about freedom and yeah. oh, overstepping my rights. Let's just cover up and be considerate. If there's a fucking virus going around, guess what? I don't know if you have it. You don't know if I have it. We just don't know. Because it's a fucking pandemic. So let's be considerate and cover our shit up. Mm-hmm. Please, I beg of you. I love y'all. Be safe. For the Midnight Genius Hour, we uh, wish you a, a fucking a great next week. Take Tune it easy. In. Peace. <laughs>